0: You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Darcy. Hi, Darcy. How are you?
1: I'm great. Hi, Annie. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's so good to have you. So why don't you take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was born in Spokane, Washington, and to a, a mixed family. My mom married a native um, Lakota Sioux, and we lived out in the country. This is maybe a little bit farther back than the alcohol, but it kind of all ties in. We um, lived out in the country. You know, we had my little brother, but after he left, we moved back to the city. We moved back to Spokane and, and I started hanging out with an older crowd. I, It seemed like I when we moved back to the town, I was an older soul by then. And when by the time I got to junior high, um, we just started. We just part. It's kind of what we did in Spokane. There was nothing to do except for to party. We just that's what we did. And I was always looking to belong. Also, I did want to fit in. But when I was thinking about this in advance, I was also. You know it did occur to me that it just kind of is just it was just also also cultural you know stuff that we did where's the next kegger everybody get you know we're at the keg in the woods or everybody was getting addresses for the kegs on the weekends and but in high school I or I um I got an older boyfriend and I started to you know be really interested in sex and I Also, that's when I started noticing I was a little different, you know, it's like, I like girls, I like guys, I started experimenting, you know, sexually with both. And it was also the second time that I started realizing that things could happen where somebody might not like me just for who I am. And meaning, you know, the snide comments and about, you know, rumors that my, know people I went to school with or whatever would hear about my sexuality and and the first time when I heard about maybe not being liked for who I was I don't know if I'm putting this quite the right way but so when I was little and my mom was married to the the Native American I just wanted to be a little Indian so bad I had all these beautiful costumes that were made to be for me by the elders I was always ready to just go dance in the powwows And then I was told one day that, you know, we're so sorry, but you can't, you can't dance because you're white. And I was super little. And so that was the first time I was ever just like, um, told what it was like, or told that there was something wrong with me, at least in my brain, my little brain heard that there was something wrong with me just because who I was. And the reason I tell that story is just because it just was extremely impactful to be like, whoa, I, okay. So, um, so anyway, so I'll be experimenting and, and partying like crazy. Um, was also when I learned to become very secretive, very, dare I say, manipulative. I learned that learn word later. You know, that means you're making a situation the way you want it to turn out, right? Lying. Um, I didn't want to uh, um, make my mom worried because of what I was out doing cuz she had to work hard you know there wasn't much money so she was always at work and so I decided I really mastered um the lying and the omitting and then when I wasn't so good at it anymore and I wasn't getting away with what I wanted to get away with I decided to move out and to pay the bills become a stripper at 17 years of age so I can't believe it now when I look back on it but um but I am a big uh, champion of sex workers though. So Anyways. So yeah, that was my senior year. I can, I knew I was like, of course, going to graduate from um, high school, must graduate from high school. And I planned on going to college, community college, but college. And um, so it's kind of the thing in my mind was as soon as I graduated from high school, I was going to go to Seattle, you know, from Spokane, what are you going to do? You're going to go to Seattle. And this was the time of, um, the, um, the music scene in Seattle was huge. So I wanted to be part of this music scene. Um, it was, it was unbelievable. I, um, you know, it was just, and I also got really into speed when I moved to Seattle. And, um, so drinking, it's not that it took a back seat. I still drank just as much. And I went to tons of bars, but when, you know, you're high on speed all the time, you're you don't really have the same kind of consequences, um, except for maybe cumulatively, because you just don't get so hammered, I guess. Um so for me, it was just speed, stripping, college courses, music scene. And it was really fun, you know, for a little while. God, there was some really, there were some really great times. Um of course, until it wasn't. It really wore on me. I started doing really shitty in school. I wasn't making that much money at work because I was too gacked out or hung over or everything to like get any kind of connection. And um, you know, life wasn't that great. Um, I was really not doing well at school at all. I wasn't even able to make a living doing I'm like what I was going to school for, I wasn't gonna be able to make a living, accounting. So, cause I just was failing at everything cause I was too busy messing around. So then, and a lot of my friends were, I was kind of a darling in a way that most of my friends and in that scene was heroin and I i preferred the speed. And so it was a very dark time. I lost a lot of people. And so when Kurt Cobain died by suicide, That was the last straw for me. I knew, I knew I had to get out of there, or I was going to be next. Um, I was not suicidal, but I knew I was on a horrible road. And so I had had some friends down in Portland, Oregon, who had been saying, "Hey, you know, we can help you get a job at the post office, the U.S. Postal Service. So come down here, and we'll help you, um, you know, get hooked up down here." Because I wanted to get a straight job. Where I could get benefits because in the us it's all about the bennies right <laughs> I'm like I was 24 and you know I knew the right thing would be to get a good job with you know with a, a union and with the bennies so that's what I did as I moved to Portland um started working for the post office became a letter carrier met my husband um well, we continued in the subculture you know, it was still all sex and speed and the whole subculture music scene and the kink scene. And and it was fun. It it was it, um, work hard, play hard, work hard, play harder. You know, it's it's very, it's also in the culture of the postal service. You just work really hard and you drink really hard. And then luckily, you know, it's been a solid 20 years. Where I phased, you know, definitely got rid of the speed, um, but that's when alcohol really started taking over, because, you know, I I, uh, I can remember it was before Hurricane Katrina, so it was before 2005, and I had already, you know, had not done any speed for a couple of years, but I would be like, well, what's left? Food, food and alcohol, which was kind of my thing. Um, um, it it wore me down, but I would either be, you know, to relax after work, it'd either be like watching TV or eating or drinking or all three. Um yeah, it it started to wear me out though, where I was drinking to where there would be blackouts, there would be consequences, there would be, you know, all I wanted to do on my days off was drink. Um it was it was no fun anymore. My, my family was always worried about me. My husband was always pissed. Um, I did the whole um, inpatient or no, excuse me, outpatient thing after there started to be a few threats from my husband where if, you know, I didn't get it together, he was going to be out of there. So I, I did, I did some outpatient for a year. I quit drinking for a year on paper, but of course I was sneaking drinking, but that's where I also learned to get, you know, be real secretive about, again about my drinking the hiding of the drinking which escalated it because you you never do a real great job of of hiding it right at least I didn't so things weren't that you know that great we were just kind of existing you know um, this is probably about 2012 2013 and life was just kind of existing and not that great but um then what happened is in 2016, uh, my brother died by suicide mm. and it, it wrecked me, of course, it wrecked my family so hard. I became, I just didn't care about anything anymore. I was my kid brother and yeah, it was really hard, but um, I had a lot of support, but I just continued to well continued. I drank, I just didn't care about anything anymore. I really didn't. And it got really scary. I, I ended up finally going to rehab just so I could get away from work and, um, life and just, just to get away. And I went to a really good rehab. I actually was really glad that I went there. My, they tell you, you know, when you go in, um, I actually stayed there for three months. i just I didn't want to go home because I just it wasn't that my my family life, it was mostly work, mostly that I just did I just wanted to stay in a place where I could just learn and be in a bubble in a cocoon. So I just stayed there. But the reason I say that I was for this three month cycle is every thirty days there'd be a new batch of people that would come in, and so I'd go to these same classes. And in these same introductory classes, they tell us, you know, only 2% of you are going to be successful. Only two, 2% two of the people that are sitting in this room are going to be successful and stop drinking. So, and a ton of the people that I was in there with were in there for their second, third, fourth time. And I was also blown away by the, um, and I've learned this since then, but just the, the unbelievable quality and beautiful kind of people that you meet in rehab and, and on this, this journey, you meet the most amazing people. I was in there with cops, doctors, nurses, musicians, athletes was really, really interesting and, and really wonderful, but it didn't help me with my drinking. (laughs) (laughs) And I started drinking immediately when I got out. I even had the um, oh, it's escaping me the name of the the shot you can get. It's a medicate naltrexone. Yeah. I, I drank through that even. I discovered you can drink through that. And I started drinking in 2017 just immediately afterwards. And it was all all very secretive because you know, my husband and I were not in a good place. And so it continued to spiral downwards. And I was going to AA and through a friend and another letter carrier, his wife, um, we just happened to meet up with them, my husband and I, and she was also not drinking. And so she decided she, that she would come to a couple AA meetings with me just to be supportive of me. And it was really sweet. She came to some some meetings with me. And finally, she just said, okay, Darcy, um, I got a book for you. <laughs> I'm going to give you this book and you're never going to drink again. Because she just, we just could, couldn't take it. Because it wasn't helping me. I'd been going to AA, and I just was really, I, I, I was too embarrassed to tell them that I was having data points. I was having, you know, relapses because I just didn't want to deal with it. Okay, okay, I drank. I just want to be here and be around people and be supportive. I don't want to talk about. Anyways, that's kind of was my, uh, how I felt when I was there. I didn't want to talk about my my data point, my relapse, and so. She gave me your book, This Naked Mind. And when I read it, I I only took the first page of reading it because I have, I'm a big fan of Howard Stern, who is a Dr. Sarno guy who has always talked about, very subtly, he's just talked about back pain and how it can hide in you. And, And also I read this book called The Body Keeps Score. And I just knew from the very beginning, reading your book, that everything was making sense and the science. And I was just like, I felt this flood of relief. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Now, I still, this is still this in 2018. And um, I, um, I did in the summer of 2018, I also, then I went and I got your 30-day experiment book and I did the experiment and I did pretty good. I was pretty good. But I was, you know, Annie, I was just still so wrecked. I was just so sad. My heart was just broken. And so then COVID came and kind of, you know, insert story here with COVID. COVID was pretty tough. So just kind of, but I still, I still knew I was going to I still knew I was going to make it. I felt different. I didn't feel like my life was over anymore. I thought that my life was probably over with my husband. He was so mad at me all the time, but so anyways, and I listened, started listening to all your podcasts. They really helped me get through work. And when I was waking up in the middle of the night with that anxiety that you have, you know, at two 30 in the morning and that's how I first started training myself. One of my first ever methods of sleep hygiene was like, when I would wake up spinning out, I would just put on your podcast put on the timer for 30 minutes and then listen. And if I was still awake at the end of the 30 minutes, I put the timer back on again, but um, it would just calm me. And it was just the beginning of, of hope for me. Um, Well, I got got the hope from when I first started reading your book, but it it continued to build. And then, then I got the email, all the emails, everybody's like, stop sending me so many emails. I get so many emails or whatever. And I don't know where I got the email or how I got the email. I don't really remember, but all of a sudden I see an email for the past and I'd never heard of the past. I actually had never even heard. I don't know how all this time, that time I hadn't even heard of a live alcohol experiment, kind of jealous. I had, I don't know how I missed that, but I hadn't heard of that yet either. So I joined the, the, um, the path of June of 2020. And, um, I was so excited and I was riveted, uh, ri- riveted. I was riddled with anxiety about talking to my husband about doing this, trying again to invest. Cause you know, it costs quite a bit of money to go into rehab, even though I have really good insurance and it, it really didn't cost me us all that much, probably a couple thousand dollars, but it was, you know, a nice rehab. What I'm trying to say is I didn't think, I still didn't think that I was worth even the conversation in, in, Instinctively, my my automatic reaction was, you know, I'm going to have to talk to my husband about. I'm going to join the path, and it's going to cost me. I think it was a it was 200 bucks a month, and I didn't think anything of it. But, anyways, and and I didn't want to hear his reaction, um, but I did it, and he did give me a little bit. He's like, oh, and I'm like, don't do that to me. This is this this is this is for me. I just knew it, I just knew it was. And so I had that whole feeling like everything just like lifted off of me. And um, we started the path in June of 2020. I was in team alive with Carla and Carolyn and the gang. And while it still took me three and a half months to, 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 to have the switch, to stop to stop drinking the whole time I knew. And it only took me three days of being on the pass to go, Hmm, like, I like what these coaches are doing. You know, maybe I could do that someday too. That's neither here nor there, but, um, I, so I, I knew, um, with the, with the, the, the coaching and the, and, and one of the biggest influences Annie was after a few days and getting to know all the coaches there were so many of them that had been alcohol free for maybe a year, a couple years. And for me, it was so, it gave me so much hope to see these, because they were free. These coaches were free. And this, and, I'm, and when I say they've only been sober for like a year, a couple of them, you know, a few of them been sober for only a couple of years, maybe only a year to me only is like, it's so powerful because they were so free. And I was just like, oh, my heart just grew. And so anyways, I've been basically, I, I call it everything, the path I've been on the path ever since it's three years later. And really I'm in. Um living naked or I'm a streaker or I'm there. Um, but I I've been on the path ever since. Um my life couldn't be more full. Um, I um, you know, I'm still working for the post office. And um gosh, I'm wondering. I feel like I've left so much out, but what can I say? Um the path was really, really what I needed. Um A year of just the the community and your content. I I go back and forth depending on what time of day it is. You know, was it the coach that something that coach said or some new content? I get so greedy for your the stuff that you um, that you research and you come up with. that people you know might not even know about yet if they haven't been in living naked, but um, or the um, what was I saying? The co- coaching, the content, or the community is just also. It was just what I needed, and I I never thought I would be where I am now. To where I can't wait to party, um, and I don't need any alcohol. And, and it did take a little bit of time for that. It's been you know two two years, two and a half years. Um, And it did take a little while for me to kind of just, you just go through some phases of, of, it's not that I I missed it, but it's just things are so ingrained. So it takes time to learn the new culture and your new place. And, but now I just get like extreme, like I'm going to go see a speed medal. (laughs) I'm going to go see Mr. Bungle and the Melvins on Saturday. And I can't wait to party and alcohol is not even going to be, You know, a part of it. I went and I saw like Hell's Bells, and it just—it's just so different now. And I'm Mm -hmm. still there to party. Um, and so yeah, I I could—I could—I'll keep rambling if
0: I don't let you. Tell me me more about um, tell me more about sort of what what's happened in your personal life and and kind of peace within sort of yourself.
1: Sure, I'll tell you. I. I I knew I wanted to become a coach, like as soon as I started in June of 2020 for this naked mind, but I also knew I had to repair my marriage first. So I waited for a year and a half to take that, that certification, but, um, it did take, it took, it was tough because it was a pretty damaged, um, just from the lying and the, um, being so secretive for so long, it took a solid year. and for my body to start to heal. Also, the anxiety level at, uh, and I'm so much nicer to people at work. There's so much more compassion. (laughs) Just being at work in the post office, you know, it's the post office. It's kind of stressful. I have, you know, I enjoy going to work. I enjoy, um, I don't have, everything is not a struggle. It's not a struggle to go to the store it's not a struggle to um, to be with my family, you know, have I had my mom here last weekend and gosh, sometimes when I think about, the way I didn't treat her badly, but how, you know, when I was with my family, I was just kind of thinking about when can I have that next drink or whatever. So my personal life is just so much richer feel, a connection, with everyone on the planet now, I feel compassion. I feel a calling to be kind to others and listen instead of talking, which some people might beg to differ because I'm a bit of a chatty Cathy, but um, I, um, I really have learned to quiet and listen to people. And I love that. I really love listening to people and hearing what they have to say. What else? You know what I have found? I used to think, um, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And not that there was anything wrong with that, but I have come to a realization that I am so satisfied with, with just being, with just being satisfied. Mm. Life is, you know, there's ups and downs. I'm perfectly content with with a pretty, you know, just being basically satisfied and and having a nice, you know, everything doesn't have to be a big party all the time. I'm able to be an advocate for sex workers now, a champion for sex workers, you know, um working and retired. Because that's a big part, you know, there's so much um drugs and alcohol in that business and shame. And Yeah, I have a very full, full life, and it went from the first year just just getting to re to re know my husband, to it's to the second year, getting more confident, and then this last half a year, things are great. Things really are great, and I have my confidence back, so I can like have a little back and forth where if I'm something doesn't feel right, instead of feeling you know, not having the confidence to push back because I felt guilty all the time. I don't I don't have that anymore. So
0: mm.
1: but yeah, personal life's pretty good. <laughs> Things are pretty good. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. So let me ask the two kind of final questions, which is first of all, um, now that you're certified, where can people find you should they want to be coached by you?
1: Oh, yeah. So um Darcy's Inside Job is my Instagram and um, the inside job with Darcy Nolan is my webpage.
0: Um, if you were going to go back in time to a Darcy who was stuck and, you know, feeling like sober on paper, but really hiding drinking, and um, you know, feeling really alone and broken, what would you tell her about life, what life is like now?
1: Oh, what life is like now. Oh gosh. It's so rich. Mm -hmm. It is rich. It is full. I just think I'm just thinking of sunshine. Mm -hmm. I was expecting you to ask me what you would tell the little girl who was the person who was suffering. So, um, and I was going to say that I'm, that you're worth it, you know, Darcy, you're worth it. So to tell you, to tell me what my life is like now, God, it's, It is like the high that I'm getting now, just from talking to you, um, or that I'm going to get from talking to a client or just from having a great one-on-one conversation with a person I see at the store, a human connection is worth all the high that I ever got from any drug or alcohol ever. I hope that answered the question so yeah. it's it's there it's there
0: <laughs> what would you what would you tell the little girl let's let's talk about that too definitely
1: definitely that you're worth it because so i've listened i've been listening to your podcast again you know since 2020 and every time instantly it comes to my mind is i would tell her that she's worth it because i when, you know, when all the, all those years when there's red flags going up and I'm like, I think I might need some help or I, you know, something's wrong here. I didn't think I was worth looking into it. I didn't think I was worth, um, you know, maybe the conversation I might need to have, uh, the, um, maybe taking the, some time off of work. I just didn't, just didn't think I was worth it. I would just always push, just be like, no. So that you're worth it. Mm. Every person is worth it. No matter what. That's amazing.
0: I was watching a, a one of a TED talk. It was an older Mel Robbins TED talk. And um, and she was giving some of the science, and I'm gonna total totally butchered the statistics, but like some of the science between, behind the odds of you being you and You can look it up or something, but it was just staggering. It's trillions, trillions to one, you know, like, or maybe many billion. It's, it's, it's a number that we can't even begin to understand, um, in terms of what the odds are of like every human that's on the planet being themselves, you know, like just the rarity of you, right. The, the incredible like
1: gift of every person of being alive. I have thought about this. She's the same one who does the high five. She does like uh, five,
0: four, three, two, one, like get out of bed kind of yeah. stuff.
1: I love her. I love her. And I, and I do on occasion think about just the fact that, that we are here is so unbelievably, I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm so glad I, I'm so glad. I just appreciate you so much to ab- to be able to, this last half. I mean, I've had some great times before, but I can't wait to see all the rest of great times that I have now. And I'm going to remember them all. (laughs) It's just amazing. I love that. It is. Thank you so much, Annie.
0: Darcy, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how This Naked Mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious.